As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. New VanCast for you. After a couple of Canucks games in Winnipeg, Tom, a win on Monday, a loss on Tuesday, they mean absolutely nothing. I mean, the Canucks were officially mathematically eliminated (laughs) from playoff contention, even though they won on Monday. Uh, There are a few storylines that have trickled out of those games, but man, the coaching carousel in the National Hockey League is now spinning at a dizzying speed, and that sort of brings us right back to where we are with the Vancouver Canucks and the future of Travis Green, and uh, I thought there were some really interesting comments from Travis in his pregame availability on Tuesday from Winnipeg. I thought there were some really interesting lineup decisions by Travis Green uh, in the rematch, the back end of the back-to-backs in three and four, so... Again, the the games on the ice and Tuesdays was just, uh, it was dreadful. I don't think there's another way to describe uh, the actual on-ice product, and maybe it sets the table for the final five uh, that are still to come here. But uh, let's jump right into uh, the coach when he was asked about his future on on Tuesday. You know, he, he reiterated that he wants to be here. He said that Jim Benning has said as much, and the GM has, I don't know about you. Like I, I took that absolutely as Travis Green just laying that at the feet of ownership. For sure. I mean, hard to take it any other way. I thought, I thought it sounded like he was frustrated. It sounded like he wanted to stay. Like he wants to stay in Vancouver. I think there's no question about that. But it was sort of one of the first times that that was made really plain in his public comments about his status, and. You know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about what's going on. <laughs> I like I don't know what's going on with the Canucks and here's here's what I'm increasingly beginning to wonder is I'm wondering if they know. Uh, I don't I don't know that there is a plan yet. Like I don't know that 
Canucks ownership knows exactly how this is going to go down themselves over the next week, two weeks. Um, but, you know, there was indications all along, all along the season that, like, re-signing Green was a priority and, um, you know, it's a money issue and on and on. And, you know, increasingly, I don't know how much I buy that. Like, increasingly, I sort of wonder... Can you bring both the coach and the GM back after this season? Like, that's the big question. And for me, the answer is probably no, right? Someone has to wear this if you're going to present some type of a a refreshed outlook in this market and to this fan base. And I, I just don't know if what seemed to be true and if what was matched by public comments from hockey operations leadership over the past five, six months. Oh yeah. We want to bring Travis back. It's just, you know, difficult to gauge during the pandemic. Like, I don't know if, I don't know if that's still true. I, I suspect that things have changed a little bit there too, uh, to be frank. And I mean, why, why wouldn't they have? Like if you're a GM who's just presided over this season, you know, don't you kind of have to be able to tell an internal story about how, the roster wasn't that bad and, you know, a different guy could get it turned around. Like, isn't that part of the gig? I, I suspect it is. So uh, curious to see how this plays out, but I really have very little sense uh, of where this goes from here. There have been points in this season where I was really confident that Jim Benning was safe. Uh, I'm not at that point right now. Um, I think this is a really tough one to figure out what's going to happen. And increasingly, I'm convinced that it's tough to figure out what's going to come next for the Canucks, in part because I don't know that the key decision makers themselves have a sense of that. The other interesting answer I thought Travis Green gave, Jay Janauer from Global, asked a pretty wide open question about just how difficult this year has been. And he asked Mm. it the day after the Canucks have been mathematically eliminated. And Travis Green has been completely loyal to the cause all season long, right? Like there were times when it was pretty bad and the the heat was on and he could have lashed out. And there have been some moments where you could just tell and we've been around him enough, you know, to read body language and tone and those types of things. Like he's been pissed off at times, but I just thought the timing was interesting that Jay asked him, you know, how challenging has this year been? And he ran for two minutes with that answer. Which isn't like Travis Green, right? Like, no, we get his rhythm, uh, and we know who he responds to and who he doesn't, and 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 sometimes you can read into you know what he doesn't say as opposed to what he did. He took that answer and went for two full minutes, which I thought was a little bit curious in and of itself. But within that, you know, he mentioned a couple of times that he's a better coach now for having gone through a year like this, and again against the backdrop of having been eliminated the night before. And just all of this uncertainty that is swirling around his future, you know, I read that as, you know, if anybody's listening to this from another organization and you look at the Canucks and you think this season has been an unmitigated disaster and it has been, just know I'm a better coach for it. And like, it wasn't chest thumping. Like, it wasn't like, you know, I've done my job and nobody else has done theirs. But I just, it felt like he was signaling to the outside National Hockey League that through all of this, and there has been a lot of this, <laughs> this season, that he feels strongly that he's a better coach now and that he's improved. And it sounded like a guy that was signaling, like, I'm ready for my next opportunity if it's not going to come here in Vancouver. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think you're dead on in that read. I thought that was a, I thought that was a good answer and an interesting 
perspective into it. Um, you know, it's it's such a weird environment, right? Like yeah. the New York Rangers fired David Quinn today. John Tortorella's out in Columbus. There are now what four vacancies: Seattle, Columbus, New York, Arizona. Right? Is and, that it? And maybe Buffalo, Buffalo seems to be interviewing. Yeah, Buffalo. Even though, yeah, sure. And then I would expect more. Right? Like I, yeah. I mean, you'll Under, see. I'm, you'll see after the playoffs. Right, Plus I'm, the Canucks. I mean, the Canucks. I I expect the Canucks to have a vacant. Like, at this point, I think we expect Travis Green to depart, right? Like, at this point, and, you know, it should be said, it should be noted that that's probably, in in my view, a mistake. Like, I don't know, I don't know that there's a lot of the, even among the high-profile coaches, like Gerard Gallant, Claude Julien, you know, that that sort of class of $5 million coach, like, I don't know that there's a ton of those guys that I'd take over green, to be totally honest with you. And and I suspect that this is one where fans will roll their eyes and be like, oh, da, da, da. Um, and then five years from now, it's going to be just like inarguable. So whatever, we can disagree. Um, I what Here's here's why I think the Canucks have screwed this up. I think green's a really effective communicator and spokesperson for them locally. I think he's still got the trust of this market. And this fan base, like he still got confidence from this market and fan base. That's tough to do with everything that's gone on around the team over the past year, but even dating back to the start of his tenure. Been a lot of losing, a lot of dark days. Uh, the fact that he still has the confidence in the of this market, by and large, I think speaks volumes. Um, the additionally, he, I have this like standard for coaches. It's like, do you put the right guy on the right on the ice at the right time? <laughs> like that's like the main thing that I want to see from an NHL head coach. And when you go look at green's usage, like he's got as much out of this roster as I think anyone could reasonably expect. Um, and then the last part of it is this guy works hard, like genuinely hardworking. And, and that's not as common <laughs> as, as you'd think. Like he just grinds constantly and, and open-minded, right? Like open-minded, interested in different ideas, different, approaches um numbers savvy i think that all matters too and then and then i think he showed in the bubble too just like a a really good feel for in-game adjustments and how to maximize um a team's chances in real time of of coming back of holding a lead of you know changing a game plan mid-series to give a particular opponent issues and on and on um you know I, i think i think he does those things really well i think it's hard to find coaches that check as many boxes I think the Canucks are going to regret this one. And yet it feels inevitable at this point that he will depart. Um, now, where what I don't buy is I don't buy that if Green leaves that the Canucks are going to go cheap <laughs> in terms of a GM or sorry, in terms of a coach. I, I think they'll I think they'll probably pursue a name that just that just is what I'd expect. Um, and, you know, I'm really curious to see how this all plays out. But I do think the main the main thing to watch for is, is Jim Benning safe? That's the big story of the next two weeks for me, J-Pat. And I don't have a really good sense of it. Like, I'd say probably, probably. But for me, it's like a 60-40. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not, I'm not convinced that it's a fait accompli. And that, to me, sort of needs to get settled out first. And should sort of be where our eyes are at. And and additionally, I'd add this too, is how does the organization confirm that? You know, like usually you send out a smoke signal or something to be like, hey, no changes here. Um, this organization, though, has not done the best at communicating throughout the past year. 
Uh, I'm really curious to see how they figure that out. How they sort of like is is it going to be? It's going to be an Aquilini tri- Twitter thread, right? One way or another. Past year, lack of communication. Come on, uh, you, yeah, you're giving them credit. It's been a whole bunch. Of, <laughs> it's been a whole bunch of years. Um, right. There's a couple of things that I want to get to, but when we were just talking about Travis Green Zooms, my favorite moment, and this one flew under the radar, but I have to mention it. Earlier in the week, and I can't even remember what your question was, but you asked Travis a question. He sort of pushed back a touch, just wanting to fully grasp where you were coming from with the question. And so, you know, they control the Zoom and the moderators controlling whose mic is open. And so when Travis came back to you and they opened your mic, <laughs> and the first thing we heard was, Wallace, this way, come on. <laughs> yeah, not ideal. <laughs> no, um, I, was out, I was out at the dog park. I was out at the dog park. Um, yeah, I mean, so it goes, you know, it's, it's a weird thing. Like my dog, Wallace made a couple appearances on Canucks zooms and you know, that's not ideal, but uh, also it's, it's like, good. it's a work from, it's a work it's from home world right now. You sure. know what I mean? Everyone has to be patient with my sweet puppy. It, it is what it is. He, uh, he also, he also just doesn't appreciate Travis Green being a jerk on those zooms sometimes. Like he just wanted to interfere and let Travis know that he didn't appreciate it. That's all right. Like, I, I got it's like it's like Travis. You're ten days out from playing both Rathbone and Lind. Why are you giving him lip? Come on, that was what Wallace. That's why Wallace was interfering. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U S based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer, if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So how does this play out, Tom, in your mind, if Travis Green isn't going to be back as the head coach of the Vancouver Canucks? We saw both John Tortorella and Rick Tockett get out of their deals the day after their seasons were done. Do you anticipate the same? Like, do you see a way that there is a negotiating period once the Canucks schedule is mercifully finished? Or if you're Travis Green, are you saying, look, there are openings elsewhere. I want to pounce now. Uh, let me out of here. Yeah, I mean, I think I think so. <laughs> I would, again, I don't have a good sense of what to expect here, J- J-Pad. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure. But yeah, I would think, I would think clarity on Travis Green's status should come pretty quick. Um, in terms of either, well, in, in terms of most likely freeing him up to explore some of those opportunities, but also who knows, like, you know, that's the right thing to do, but when has this organization done the right thing? Yeah. You know, enough. like, no. I honestly just don't know. Like, um, so yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked, honestly, if, if Travis was, you know, like never made available postseason and there was an announcement that he was that they, the two sides were parting ways and that was that. And I also wouldn't be shocked if they, you know, had him do a a closing media availability as if everything is normal 
and then sort of leave him withering on the vine until his contract expires at the end of June. Like that wouldn't shock me either. Right. So yeah, I mean, honestly, I've, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get a handle on what to expect, but I just honestly, I just honestly don't, I think a lot of people in this industry are watching the Canucks and trying to get a, some, some sense for what they're going to do. And I just don't think they know. Like, I don't think it's that we haven't figured it out. I, I don't think they know yet. And um, that's sort of crazy to think, considering the season only has, what, seven days, another week? Yeah. Mercifully, there's only another week left in the season. And yeah. yet, at the same time, I can't believe there's another week in this season. Five more games, three of which the NHL is doing its best to hide, by the way, uh, by putting them in the middle of the day, two weekday games back-to-back to close, back-to-back, afternoon, different cities. What, like the, What a goofy oh. fucking thing this is. And that's why I said, like, the game in Winnipeg on Tuesday, like, the Jets still had something to play for. The Canucks clearly didn't, and it looked as such. You know, now you're getting two teams that have nothing to play for, and they've still got to go head-to-head four more times. Like, uh, I don't know, there's a sort of morbid curiosity. Like, what will these games <laughs> look like? Who's going to be in the lineup? Uh, those t- it's worse than it's worse than preseason hockey. Sure, it is absolutely. Like why like would- preseason hockey has roster battles? This is like, like why? Just why? Why are we doing this? Right. It's so nuts. So uh, that's why I say, like, I'm curious to see who's in the lineup. And you know, you mentioned a moment ago that one of the things Travis has done well is you know squeeze the most out of this group. I do think that there have been a couple of curious decisions here uh, in the last couple of nights. Mm-hmm. One was. Matthew Highmore played 20 minutes on Monday in Winnipeg. 20 minutes. Career high by four minutes. I, uh, I'm Matthew, Matthew Highmore has good speed, right? But like, (laughs) how many rush chances have you seen where it's like Pearson, Horvat, and Highmore streaking down and it's just like, you know, the puck's not getting either on net or, or past crisply to one of the other two forwards. It's just like, oh man. We really have to pretend that this is a thing, huh? Right, and you wrote about it, and you know they're they're trying to say like, look, this is what we got for Goddad. It's gonna work. Trust us. Like we're gonna play him twenty minutes. His season high in Chicago. Ugh. His season high in Chicago. I looked at this. Thirteen minutes. His average was nine a night, and he got to twenty plus on Monday. Now there were three minutes of penalty killing duty. They're testing him there. That's fine. But then the weird part is on Tuesday, the very next night, he's the low man on the team in even strength ice time and played just a shade over 11 minutes uh, and was ahead of only Mark Michaelis. So you go from 20 minutes, career high by a bunch, one night, to 11 minutes the next night. And this was back-to-back. It was three and four. We have spent a ton of time on the pod talking about the challenges of the schedule coming out of COVID. Like, if ever there was an opportunity to inject some fresh legs into the lineup, it seemed like it was Tuesday. Even though they had won the night before, they were mathematically eliminated and done. And yet, Jack Rathbone is the only guy to play where we had talked about maybe they would sit him down on the back-to-back so they could get Levy back in for a night. Uh, Cole Lynn sits for a second straight game. And Jonah Gadjevich, like, you're running out of games here. You send the guy ahead to Winnipeg. Like, that seemed like fourth thought on the part of the organization to serve his quarantine. He meets up with the team in Winnipeg and then doesn't play either one of those games either. So I don't know, like it's weird because there's such a weird dynamic of the organization would surely love to see some of these young guys. And yet you're asking a coach who may not be a part of the future of the organization 
And I don't know. Like I don't know if there was pushback on Travis's part, if he was just going with the same lineup that had won the night before, as coaches often do, but there was no need to do that. I, quite frankly, I was shocked that there wasn't some sort of lineup changes with an eye to some of these young guys for the second game of the back-to-backs against the Jets. Yeah, fair enough. Well, and this is why, like, even if the green situation resolves and the Canucks end up doing a deal with him, it's almost worse because they went through the whole season, like, misaligned with their head coach in terms of their long-term interests, right? Like, it's just, it's just so nuts, J-Pat, to be totally honest with you. It's just really hard to wrap your head around the degree of, like, you know, I don't want to say negligence, but just, like, a lack of common sense or care like this 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 entire organization this entire season just feels like they've never cared about the season anyway and you know they got what they deserved <laughs> and worse actually they got worse than they deserved uh this was not just like an also ran season this was a disaster uh but that's you know that can happen when you are so inattentive to you know almost every aspect uh, of this team frankly right like it, when you when you don't sufficiently value things like character when you don't use business principles to to, <laughs> to construct and manage your team um just just insane but yeah no i mean and we've been talking about this a lot too right the young players the incentives how it sort of is polluted um all, all year we've sort of discussed that um yeah i mean jonah gadjevich i'm surprised he didn't play uh, I'm not expecting much from him though, J-Pat, right? Like, Fair just enough. like I wasn't yep. expecting a ton from Cole Lind, you know, like there is a qualitative difference between, I mean, how high have I been on Jack Rathbone, for example, multiple times, right? Because when I saw him at lower levels of hockey, it was like, oh God, that guy's awesome. You know what I mean? I've seen Cole Lind play at the AHL level and it's like, you know, if you're looking really hard for positives, you can find them, but it's not like any opposing scout would have watched those games and been like, oh man, Cole Lind, like that's, our guys are in tough, you know? Um, and if you're not that at a lower level, you're not going to be that in the NHL, right? Gadjevich, I don't think the speed's there. Cole Lind, I don't think the first step is there. Um, you know, seeing Rathbone do what he's done over the past four or five games after, you know, fans got so excited about the Yolevi stretch passes, right? And it's just like, what a massive difference, right? Between the guy with plus wheels who, you know, could be a really useful offensive driver in the NHL and Yolevi, who like you really have to be wishing upon a star to see as like a future top four guy. You know what I'm saying? Like, come on, come on. The, the um, I feel sometimes like we have to pretend some of these prospects aren't huge hope bets to make any kind of impact at the NHL level. And we do it to be polite and because fans, you know, are interested and, and wish cast on prospects. But it's like this club doesn't have a lot coming at this point other than Pud Colson. No, but it, um, it it's a weird dynamic that they're going to end up protecting a guy like Cole Lind or Jonah Gadjevich. Well, you can't. You can't. You have to You have to go get a forward. Like, you have to go I'm get a forward. I'm with you. Like, we've been abundantly clear. I, we're aligned on that one. But until I see it happen, it's like weaponizing cap space. Like, we can talk about it till we're blue in the face. Until I see no, I this know. organization actually do something about it, uh, I'm not convinced. And so... Well, but they're aware of it, at least. Like, they made that Bowie trade to, to free up some options for themselves. Um, so, you know, I mean, at least they're aware of it and they're going to try and they're going to kick tires, uh, unlike the weaponizing cap space thing, which was a concept I legit think they just never understood. 
Um, Speaking of Bowie, I, I hope he's on a beach somewhere right now. Like if, I know. <laughs> he's not going to play. That's another guy. And I don't know if I need to see him play, but... Like, I remember when they made the trade and, and we got our first availability with Madison Bowie and he was talking about, you know, how he was ready to, like, this was it. This was the move. This was going to jumpstart his career. He was going to come in and penalty kill in top four. And, like, I don't know. Like, have you even seen him? Has he been on the ice at anything that you have attended for the Yes, race? a couple of times, but okay. not of late. Okay. Not of late. So he exists. So but, he exists. But when yeah, I mean, they should they should honestly just get him in, though. Like, why would you not see what you've got there? Right, and that's anyway. why, you know, I, again, I'm in sort of this reading into everything I can mode right well, now. And, because and, like, the Canucks, from the opening drop of the puck yesterday, like, it was clear they had no legs. Like, clearly the team that had COVID falls off more than their opponents in the second leg of back-to-back. So, you know what? I agree with you. They should be making, like, four or five roster changes for the back-to-backs that remain on their schedule. And and that includes guys like Bowie. Well, Sorry, but, I just wanted to jump no, in and no, say that because you're right. Because, look, I'm, I'm reading into a ton of stuff right now. And maybe that's because the games don't matter and they don't interest me that much. But, you know, Travis, when he's talked about Rathbone, has he's excited too. And he has said, I'm willing to play young guys if I think they can give me a chance to win or give us a chance to win. And so Rathbone keeps playing and, you know, Hoaglander had a terrific night on Monday. But then I'm left to sort of infer that Yolevi, Lyndon, Gadjevich aren't playing because that's what the coach thinks is that, those other guys, the Sea of Grandlands, you know, they give his team a better chance to win at the National Hockey League level, and maybe they do. Maybe they do. But again, for a fan base that has watched the Canucks use a high first round pick on Yulevi and two seconds on Lyndon Gadjevich, you'll want to believe that one of those three is going to hit at some point to be able to play at the very least. And so uh, the jury very much out on all three of them. You know, it kind of goes back to earlier in the season when you hoped that one of Gaudet, Vertanen, or McEwen was going to take this big step forward as a mid-20, you know, something lower in the lineup winger that could help the hockey club. And uh, we know how that's played out for really all three of them. Two don't play here. Well, really, two. Yeah, two don't. Like, Gaudet certainly doesn't play here anymore. Vertanen likely isn't going to play here anymore. And after this season, I don't know if McEwen is going to get much of an opportunity to be a part of what the Canucks are moving forward. Yeah, yeah. And McEwen, yeah. I mean, McEwen has not played well this season, right? Like, no. just hasn't. Um, no, I mean... It's just not enough talent on this roster, man. Like, it sucks. It sucks. Like, I don't want to get too deep into the weeds on a bunch of inconsequential players that just aren't that good. You know what I'm saying? But, like, there's a lot of them. (laughs) There's a lot of them in this Canucks lineup. Right. Matthew Highmore. Matthew Highmore top line winger is, like, not a thing I need in my life. I just, I don't need that. Thank you. I don't need that. No one does. No, you're right. And, And so you have turned your attention now, even with five still on the schedule, you know, you wrote about the to-do list, and it was long. And quite frankly, I mean, you know, it's good reading. If people haven't checked it out to do so, it's posted at The Athletic. You know, I thought you made a really salient point at the end, just about the luster around this organization. Like, when we know what the Vancouver Canucks mean to the city of Vancouver and so many people in it. And, And yes, it's professional sports, and there are way more important things in the world. But for a lot of people... There is an incredible emotional investment in this hockey club. And people are angry, and they have a right to be right now. Like, there is very little to be proud about uh, if you're a fan of the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah. No, I mean, you're right. 
and and you know i think there's there's a brand legacy that dates back to sort of the late stages of the griffiths family ownership and pat quinn and brian burke's values and you know those have been stewarded through um, you know, including by the Gillis regime and, and company, where the organization behaves in this sort of community-minded way. You've got Canuck Place and, um, you know, a, a ton of sort of community events and outreach and a, a real focus on, you know, positioning the Canucks as part of the fabric of the community in Vancouver and across the province of British Columbia. And, you know, we've now gone through a pandemic where the Canucks have been a bottom 10 spender in the NHL. Um, you know, I, I think there's been some nice gestures in ter- terms of food banks, but the clubs made massive cuts, like massive layoffs, uh, have characterized and punctuated this Canucks season. You know, I think we've all been through some tough times. I'm, I'm sure we've all, I mean, obviously yourself included JPAT, you know, but a lot of us have worked for reduced wages or what have you. We've had employers that have stepped up and been transparent about their challenges and, you know, seem to do their best for us. Um, I don't think the Canucks behave that way internally. Uh, do you have a problem with that as a, as a fan, as someone who supported this franchise? Like personally, just sort of observing it, I, I don't think it's up to a standard that I associate typically with the Vancouver Canucks. Um, and then you go on and on down the line, you know, the lack of communication with star players, the way that the pandemic sort of or not the pandemic, but the outbreak played out in terms of the club dealing an index, the index case in terms of JT Miller feeling like he had to go to the press to blast a dangerous return to play schedule that, you know, the organization had signed off on themselves. Um, you know, it's just ugly, j Like, it's just ugly. And on some level, you have to think that the standard for leadership from this organization has to be a little bit higher, you know, like it has to be higher in terms of understanding your role as a civic leader, um, you know, up and down the line. And that's sort of why when, when I wrote that column covering the Vertanen allegations, right. You know, I, I was really keen to separate Vertanen's allegations from the rest of the dysfunction that has characterized this connect season. However, for me, the fact that it was Travis green addressing or doing the no comment thing, addressing the allegations, Um, as opposed to someone higher in the organization, someone who would signal gravity as opposed to it just being something you have to do on a game day anyway. Um, You know, to me, that is part and parcel with the dysfunction that I'm discussing. Um, You know, I think fans should expect more, frankly. I think fans should expect more. Personally, as an observer, I expect more from the Canucks franchise just based on having watched them closely over the past 20 years. Um, This season's been really, really painful because the seams have been visible. Uh, I think the lack of care and attention has been obvious. And I think there's been a lot of good people put in really bad spots, whether they still work for the organization or whether or not they were laid off by the organization at some point this year. Um, You know, it, it leaves a really bad, it leaves a really bad taste in my mouth having watched and covered it all go down.
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I feel like the people of Buffalo could all use a giant bowl of Magic Spoon just to uh, make their world a little bit happier. Uh, (laughs) And I don't want to get too deep into the Sabres, but obviously the Canucks and the Sabres are linked going back to expansion. All of their woes. Uh, You were part of that uh, terrific piece mid-season about which team has had it worse over a half century. But it does have the feel and makings of another fire sale coming out of Buffalo and a lot of people are in this, you know, should the Canucks be in on Jack Eichel? Uh, now Sam Reinhardt, apparently, uh, you know, he had some sort of comments at the end of his exit meeting that made it sound like, yeah, you know, hey, if they want to move me, sure, I'm, I'm open to it, whatever. Uh, Reinhardt coming off a nice season, 25 goals. Uh, should the Canucks be kicking tires on high-profile players? Whether or not they can make these deals happen is it not in their best interest to be exploring every option if you're a bottom feeder the way the Canucks are? Yeah, you have to. And, you know, this team needs another top six forward. Like, they need another top six forward really badly, in my opinion. Um, you know, I like Sam Reinhardt. I, I like him, you know, as a, as a winger anyway, like as a sort of second line sniper. You know, he's going to score a lot. He was top 10 in the NHL in goals, but like, I don't think he's a play driver. He's not like a top line stud play driver, but he's a really good goal scorer. Like I have time for him as sort of a second line option for the Canucks. Um, but you know, what, what, what are you giving up? Like, what are you giving up to get Sam Reinhardt? Like the Canucks aren't the only team that are going to be in on that. He's a top 10 NHL goal scorer this season. Like there's going to be demand. And I just don't know how the Canucks, like the Canucks don't have enough to trade. <laughs> they don't have enough to trade, JPAT. There's no good assets here that you can afford to part with. You know, like you're not, you can't part with Jack Rathbone or Quinn Hughes, and you can't part with, you know, Bo Horvat or you know, like the, it, which which sort of goes back to why making deadline deals, like where t- where players like Jordy Ben and Tanner Pearson all of a sudden have value. You know, like they don't. Tanner Pearson doesn't have trade value now. He might have got you a, a second or a first round pick two months ago, but now there's no value there. Um, that's how that's how life works. <laughs> that's the NHL, man. It's so weird. But it, those those expiring deals carry this short window value right at the deadline as teams chase a cup. Um, I just don't see who the Canucks can trade that would have significant value. Honestly, like. Maybe maybe we see an H. Schmidt deal. Maybe we see a J.T. Miller deal. Like those would sort of be the higher profile guys that I could see move. Um, yeah, I mean J.T. Miller, I think would have significant value. Nate Schmidt, I'm not sure after the season he had and with the commitment that he's sort of attached to. Like I don't think the Canucks are doing much more than recouping their own pick, uh, or you know recouping sort of a, a the type of pick that they got from Vegas. So yeah, I mean. Look, I like the idea. I like the concept, J-Pat. I just, like, what what, what does, what am I missing? What does the organization have that they can afford to lose that has value on the trade market? They don't. Like, it, because really what you're looking at is Sam Reinhart would be playing the role of Tyler Toffoli, essentially. Like, you would want Brock Besser and Tyler Toffoli, or Brock Besser and Sam Reinhart, but, 
like when you trade Brock Besser straight up for Sam Reinhardt, Reinhardt had a few more goals, but Besser's got time. Like he could push 25 this year if he has a couple of two goal games here down the stretch. Besser is younger. He's cost controlled right now. And, oh, and and he's and he's a better he's a better player. Right. But so like I don't care about the goal totals. Besser's a Besser's the smarter, more useful player all around. Right. Like his so, all, his, his yeah. But I'm just saying from the Sabres perspective, like what would the Sabres ask be? You know, if if it's Brock Besser, like what are you doing? Just swapping players at this stage. The Canucks would be getting the older player, and as you said, probably the inferior player. So it wouldn't make sense on that level. But in order to get a player like Reinhardt you got to be looking to move other pieces that the Sabres want. Like this is how people come up with these trades all the time, but you got to think of it from the other team. Like the other team's not just giving Sam Reinhardt away. Like it doesn't work that way. No, they're going to want probably like a late first and a player. You know what I mean? Like that's at least going to be what they look for is like a first plus uh, for sure. And the Canucks don't, ha- I mean, the Canucks can't give up their first round pick. That's going to be in the draft lottery anyway. Right? Like that's, that could that pick could end up being Brant Clark or you know Benier or what have you, right? Like they can't give up that pick. So yeah, I mean they're going to be in tough. <laughs> it's this Canucks team. I don't think they can like the Jack Eichel thing too. Like you can't make um you don't have the depth of assets or talent to make like we'll trade two pieces to you for one really good player that's attached to a significant contra- contractual commitment, right? Like that's. Not this offseason for the Canucks. They don't have the assets to make those deals anyway, but they also don't have the cap space, right? Like this Canucks sort of campaign is going to be about allocating money up into – or this Canucks offseason is going to be about allocating money up to Pedersen and Hughes on those second contracts. Those guys become significantly more expensive, as does Demko. That's already done. But you real allocate money to some of your top young players, and then, and then once that's done – like you then have to reconstruct your blue line, probably try and find a top six winger, ideally find a third line center. Um, and you're going to have to do that with like, you know, somewhere between eight and 10 million in total cap space. It's like, <laughs> that's really tough, man. It's really <laughs> tough. Like the, the make no mistake, the Canucks are doing an exercise that's going to be similar to what Toronto and Tampa Bay teams like that do every single season. It's just that the Canucks are doing it while also having been one of the five worst teams in hockey, right? Like, but that is this offseason for the Canucks. It's going to be on a knife's edge, reallocating cap space, and then doing your best to upgrade, you know, three really high leverage spots in the lineup, top six wing, third line center, uh, D period, like D in general, and and doing it on a shoestring because all your money is being proportioned over to Hughes and Patterson, basically. Yeah, I mean, it's ugly, man. Like, this team this team still can take advantage of the bright future that uh, that some of their young core represents. But this, uh, this like, it's going to take years of extraordinary discipline to get this going back in the right direction uh, after after what we've seen since the bubble. Like, the, there's been additional they – were, they were already locked in before the bubble to – really scrimping and saving because of some of the inefficient contractual commitments that were left on the books and will be left on the books through next season. But when you sort of throw in all of the lost value from those UFAs departing, um, when you throw in the fact that the Schmidt thing hasn't really worked out, um, you know, now, now it's not just like, oh, they've got cap issues. It's like, they've also got a significant talent issue, right? Like they're not good enough. They don't have the flexibility to improve and they're looking at a multiple year project 
to get this thing even just going in the right direction again. Um, it's going to require a lot of smart bets. It's going to require a lot of sort of finding in a, finding efficiencies, finding good value um, from players that you know aren't Sam Reinhardt, that aren't four million dollar contractual commitments who also are going to have you know a third of the league bidding highly for their services right like that's not the play that the Canucks can make they need to find the undervalued one million dollar guy you know what I mean like that's what they need to do um that's what they have space to accommodate and when you're going bargain shopping like yeah sometimes you get Carter Verhage but sometimes you don't sometimes you get Vinny Hinestrosa sometimes you get you know, Matthew Hightower. And yeah, I mean, I think Canucks fans need to prepare themselves for what lies ahead over the next couple months, because that's what this offseason looks like. That's baked in already. Um, and I think it's important that people sort of keep that in mind. Like this team does not have the flexibility to Dreamcast on Jack Eichel and Sam Reinhardt. Uh, that's not where they're at in terms of the stage of their, you know, overall team building cycle. Right. And I've seen a lot of people say like, you know, hey, when it gets back to normal, and they get back in their division, you know, they're going to beat up on the California teams and they're going to be middle of the pack and they'll be chasing a playoff spot. And and then you watch the LA Kings, a team that does have all of those assets that is totally. widely regarded as having the best prospect pool, including Tyler Madden, among other players. But, you know, they he, can... He didn't have a great season. I know, but I'm just... They, they can probably make a deal that might interest Buffalo, you know, without touching a guy like Quinton Byfield. And then all of a sudden, like, look out, you know, they can reshape their team in a hurry if they do go and pursue a, a player like Jack Eichel. So well, the, 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 the division will save like the Pacific division will save the Canucks. And it's like, do you really expect the border to be open again? Like, do you really think we're trending that quickly toward normal? We're going to have the border open again by mid October. You think so? You, you want to bet on that? <laughs> uh, I don't know about for like that's the bet you're making though. If you're like the Pacific will save us, it's no, like but, okay, like, okay. Well, how confident are you that you're not starting this? For like, some, how confident are you that we're not doing this all Canadian division again? Yeah, and like for, I'm not that confident. No, I'm for, not betting for, on for, it for civilians. I'm not. I, I wonder about teams, but then if you're if you're coming into the country and the quarantine, uh, yeah, no, we yeah. I mean, the the because the federal government has been so accommodating to the nhl no you're right you're right it may be <laughs> like an, come on another year. i don't know man another we year. might have we, honestly we might have another year of the canadian division but also but also the logic of the pacific division will save us requires like the flames not to bounce back they will seattle to not be good they will be at least good like they won't be great but they'll at least be a hard out uh, based on the way that the expansion draft process works and, and what's going to be available to them, especially in the flat cap era, right? Like, especially as a clearinghouse and what they're going to be able to accumulate. Um, so Seattle is going to be in the mix. Uh, and then, you know, it requires no improvement from LA. Oh, LA is going to improve. Like, LA wasn't that bad this year either. They're going to be fine. Uh, they're going to be one of those teams that becomes a threat in a hurry. Um yeah, I mean, I'm not looking at the Pacific as, like, the Canucks is saving grace. I think, A, I'm not sure it happens, and B, I think people are sleeping on how good Calgary should have been this year um, and, and has been since Daryl Sutter took over. The likelihood that Seattle is, you know, not a traditional expansion team in terms of their quality, but is more imposing than that, 
and the improvement that I think we can all reasonably expect to come and come in a hurry from the Kings' mix of really talented young players. Some questions about the other California teams, obviously. Doug Wilson, the GM of the San Jose Sharks, is going to be Scott Burnside and Pierre Lebrun's guest on the two-man advantage edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. Uh, You can check that out at the Athletic app. And we always ask you to... Uh, leave comments for us at the for every podcast episode we do. We've got uh, a comment section, and uh, I certainly check it out. Love to hear what the VIPs have to say. Uh, rate and subscribe to the VanCast on Apple. And also, if you're not already a subscriber, go to theathletic.com slash VanCast and receive a subscription for $3.99 a month. And now's the time to do it, because now is when it really does start to get interesting. And I know you said, like, you're gearing up. You'd sort of you know, taking a step back for the last couple of weeks for what's to come because we're getting to that point in time when the games are done. Like, then the real intrigue begins, and that's where you and Harm uh, will be drilling down on everything that's gone on and needs to go on with this hockey club. So, uh, you know, for many, the offseason now is as exciting and as important as the season itself, and certainly when you well, look Well, certainly at, more exciting than the next five games. <laughs> and what, yeah, and, and who knows what those... Like, I really am. I, I'm really curious to see how they approach them, how do the Flames approach them, who's in the lineup. And when we talk about some of those young guys like Gadjevich and Lyndon Yulevi, like, how do you... And Travis was asked that, too. Like, how do you assess these guys, you know, in a situation where these games don't matter? And the other team may be dressing a bunch of AHLers as well. Like, it, it's, a, it's sort of a weird time to try to be... Uh, evaluating what you've got at your NHL totally. level or on the NHL roster. But that's where we are with this. Five games, three of them starting in the noon hour or at one o'clock, sunny Saturday afternoon. And again, the league is trying to sweep that thing under the rug. They don't want you, <laughs> they do not want you to connect the Canucks and the Oilers with the Bruins and the Capitals starting the Stanley Cup playoffs. So, Ugh, yeah. What a, well, how, how insane is it too that the other teams have to wait? Yep. Like, how does that make any sense at all? Man, it's just uh, just ridiculous. No idea. And I don't get, like, let them play. Like, why? I'm with you. Like, Yeah, why? Montreal, Montreal, Toronto should start on the 16th. Yeah. Honestly, it should nope. start on the 15th. Well, I'd be down for that. And, again, just sort of adding to the curiosity of all this. I mean, this is a Canuck-focused podcast. We drill deep on the Canucks, obviously. And we'll continue to do that. But uh, on Friday, when we do this again, we'll have to offer up our playoff predictions won't we like Canucks season still oh, yeah. going on but we'll have to sidetrack I'm actually really excited like I cannot wait to watch the Stanley Cup playoffs like Battle of uh, Battle of Alligator Alley sign me up for that I've been right. excited for that for a long long time don't tip your hand because uh, we'll go there no I won't I won't okay but I'm also really excited to watch the Maple Leafs sweep the Montreal Canadiens <laughs> I said don't tip your hand <laughs> I'm just saying I'm just saying I'm excited for that alright well, we'll hold you to that. We'll get uh, we'll get into some playoff predictions and a little bit of preview and some of the stories uh, that intrigue us and maybe some of the former Canucks that are actually getting a chance to play in this year's Stanley Cup playoffs. Maybe we'll chart them as well. That's going to do it for this edition of the VanCast. The Canucks move into Calgary, then on to Edmonton, and then three more with Calgary uh, to finish off the season over the next week. Uh, for your answer, it's Jay Pat. As always, thanks so much for listening and for your support of the VanCast here at The Athletic and theathletic.com.